Harmon. Thank you for making me a mom. Thank you, son. I love you. Thank you for partnering with me, even in a different time zone and on this morning. I love you, Emmett Julius Harmon. Some may ask the question, what is the history of Mother's Day? What is this day that we celebrate? Let's chat for just a second. To do so, I'm going to have to read the entirety of Psalms 139. So stay with me. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. And there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's, it's high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light around me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You lowered me in my mother's womb. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my, my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being formed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The history of Mother's Day. Anna Jarvis lost her mom in 1905. Anna was very endeared to her mom and the loss was tragic. Anna went about trying to create and establish Mother's Day in her own community. By 1908, Mother's Day was celebrated first in a Methodist church in West Virginia, but Anna didn't stop there. Anna sought the financial backing of someone that some of you might know, John Wanamaker in Philadelphia, who backed her effort to establish Mother's Day. And so Anna went all the way to the White House. And Anna convinced politicians everywhere that we should be able to celebrate Mother's Day. And so it was in 1914, under the presidency of Woodrow Wilson, that Mother's Day became an international holiday, always to be celebrated on the second Sunday in May. And so Mother's Day is now known internationally, but the traditions vary from place to place. And so for instance, in Thailand, Mother's Day is celebrated in August. In France, it's held on the last Sunday in May. In Ethiopia, Mother's Day is celebrated for three entire days. And in Mexico, Mother's Day is always celebrated on May the 10th. But let's agree to embrace the elephant in the room. Mother's Day is complicated and sensitive for some, for not everybody has the traditional mother in the traditional sense of the word. For mother might be deceased, either recently or years ago. Mother may not have mothered at all. She didn't have the tools, Sister Sabrina, to do so. And so mother may not be the biological mother. She might be the adopted mother, the foster mother, the stepmom, always seemingly to learn or trying to learn the tools to raise and learn these children. Mother may be estranged, incarcerated, drug addicted, mentally challenged, incapacitated in some way. But let's also agree that the elephant in the room does not have to allow us to be robbed of the joy of Mother's Day. So first of all, if you're a mom or the child thereof, of course, let's start by embracing the journey of mother as something that God saw long before you saw it. And so if we are to embrace the entire chapter of Psalms 139 in whole and in part, we discover that there are four things about God that we need to know. First, we discover his omniscience in verses 1 through 6. Here we need to capture at least two words, searched and known. So the word is searched. It's not researched as though God had to reflect upon the work that somebody else had to do. The word is God has searched us. And so in essence, 
It means that God has scrutinized every part of you is known to God. He has established you with intent and purpose. Nothing is hidden from him. There's no secret place that you could go to, according to scripture, from him. In essence, God has perused your elements, your cells, your blood, your marrow, and said yes. And the question is, what does the yes mean? We're going to get to that. God has also known you long before you were able to utter a couple of syllables or string together a couple of words and call them a simple sentence or a compound sentence. God knew your thoughts. The scripture says he knew your thoughts afar off. God counted your hairs, future tense. God reviewed your bruises in life and still provided a way of escape according to 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. God explored the intent of your every desire, future tense. God foreknew your borders and your boundaries. God purposed your curiosity and your heart. And verse 5, this is the, the part that gets me through my day, that you have hedged me from behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Ay, 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 ay. God created boundaries, security zones, fences, protective devices, forces, and angels, if you will, in front of me, behind me, above me, below me, all around me, and approved me by laying his hand upon me. And so I was not an accident. God had a plan brewing for my journey that I would be able to give him praise no matter who it is that he would bring me through. Nothing was missing. There were no lines I needed to get through for God had laid his hand upon me. Everything that I needed to give him glory was in place, including the path by which he would bring me through. There is no such thing as being born to the wrong mom. Repeat. There's no such thing as being born to the wrong mom. The mom you have is the one you were intended to have. Secondly, we discover God's omnipresence in verses 7 to 12. Here we discover that I would always be visible to God because God has assigned lifetime, impenetrable, hourly security above me, below me, beside me, behind me, in front of me, and I'm always going to be right there under the watchful eye of God. I'm never going to be able to be hidden. All of my future circumstances in my journey were known to God. While I was yet in the incubator, God chose for me. Don't miss this part. So, so God knew my pre-womb experience even before my mother knew and established my path, thereby ordering my days. That includes which mother I would have he was laying his hand upon me in yet that unformed substance phase. And so that further means that 
there is an intended connection between mother and child that I'm supposed to get. Particularly if we embrace Romans 8 and 28, that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Now, sometimes we have to grow into Romans 8 and 28. Sometimes we have to believe God about Romans 8 and 28. But his word is sure. All things work together for the good. What could that mean if my mother is deceased on this Mother's Day? Maybe that I could reflect upon the good days that I had with her, the fond memories that I remember, and not just the woe of my loss. So there could be joy in the loss of my mother. What could that mean if my mother is actually not a mother at all to me? It could mean that I need to embrace Psalms 27.10, and the New Living Translation says that even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. So God even saw that early and had that covered in that space. What could that mean if I was adopted or fostered or she's my stepmom? Scripture tells us that Moses became somebody else's kid to raise. He grew to become a faithful servant of God, and we're most commonly known for leading the exodus of the Israelites in Egypt across the Red Sea, and that is where he received the Ten Commandments. And so Moses was never far from the characteristics or the traits he received from the womb of his mother to do the job that he was purposed for by God. And so in that space of being adopted as a child, Moses was introduced to a pattern of leadership through the Pharaoh's house that he later rejected in wisdom in preference to serving the people of God. And so in many circumstances, God will choose to allow our thriving to be at the hands of an outside influence. Then there's my girlfriend, Esther. God was able to work through Esther and bring deliverance to the Jewish people. All of this would not have been possible if it were not for Mordecai. And so without the love of her adopted father, Esther would not have been given a fair chance and could not have freed her people years later. So there could be joy in being a foster child. And so scripture tells us in Matthew 1 and 18 that Jesus was born from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. Even though Jesus was not his own, Joseph adopted Jesus as if he was his own. And together he and Mary raised Jesus Christ and became part of the story that changed the world. So there could be joy even in adoption. What could it mean if she was incarcerated? drug addicted, mentally challenged, or incapacitated in other ways. God uses those experiences as well, even for our good. And how do I know that? Because such were some of us. Such were some of us. We've had a journey 
to get to where we are today. We look good today, but there's been a journey to get to where we are. And so we learn in Ephesians 1 and 5 that God decided, even though he knew what the journey would be, in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do when he did it with great delight. So God laying his hand upon you, God saw all of this even in your unformed substance. That was not a mystery. That was God's plan. So you are purposed even if mom is, was incarcerated, drug addicted, mentally challenged, or incapacitated in other ways. God saw all of this early and yet chose you to come through the path even still to give him glory. It still means that as mom, God has searched you, has known you, has approved you by laying his hand upon you and made you visible in perpetuity before him. And so no matter what your journey has been, as long as we're able to embrace the fearfully and the wonderfully made, God has a plan that does not change. Thirdly, we discover his omnipotence in verses 13 to 18. Moms are uniquely formed inside and out, fashioned by God himself. Everything is on purpose. Every cell, every bone, every vessel, every blood flow, every numbered hair strand, every cartilage, amount of water, oxygen, marrow, her sound, her sight, her care, her warmth, all uniquely designed and fashioned for the days ahead. Her characteristics and are also very unique to her, all fashioned for you and me to learn from and be available to pass on in the days to come. And so only through the power of God are we fearfully and wonderfully made. Definition of terms. Fearfully means to have a respect and a reverence for God. The word wonderfully means to be distinct or unique. So God has created you, mom, in such a way that you will have passions and desires that are unique to you. Ask yourself, mom, am I happy with God's purposeful creation of me as a mom? Or do I reject it? Ask yourself, mom, who am I trying to be like? Or who am I trying to follow? Who am I trying to look like? What in the joy of fearfully and wonderfully made are you bestowing upon the children that God has blessed you with? Into each of us is inserted a will of our own. When I choose to change parts and pieces of that design, I reject what God has established for me. I reject the journey God had planned for me. This is the wisdom that godly moms must instill into our children. Yes, you cannot fulfill the purpose God has for your life if you mistreat the fearfully and the wonderfully designed body that God has given you. There are things that God has designed you to do in life, and when doing it, you're going to be absolutely thrilled to do it. However, there are times where we are limited in our services for God because we've created situations for ourselves that God never intended. And we need to admit that to ourselves. 
And finally, in this chapter 139 text, we discover God's holiness in verses 19 to 24. And so in short there, God does not need to require your assistance to fight his battles. Repeat. God does not need your assistance to fight his battles. So though David's expressions of loathing the enemies of God are noble, we actually are required to love the enemies of God enough to pray for them to have unlocked ears that they might respond to the words of Jesus Christ for salvation. You remember that lesson from Jonah with his not-so-strong love for the people of Nineveh. So moms, we have learned so far that he has searched us, that he has known us, that he has approved us by laying his hand upon us, that he has made us visible before him at all times and uniquely formed us and fashioned us. This mom is the stuff that we're made of. This is the stuff that we're made of. Moms are not perfect as we possess a will to follow and do the will of God, following his instruction and his direction if we choose to do so. And so even in that imperfection, God grants us the grace to effectively mother in good times and in not so good times. And so what are some of those difficult moments? There are opportunities where we add to but hopefully learn from the bruises that come into our lives or when God provides mercies to correct the deeds that we have done. In short, when mom or child is off script, outside of God's will, we sometimes are, they present bruises in our lives. Just bruises. What is a biblical example of a mom outside of God's plan? What does that actually look like? Rebecca, Isaac's wife, who struggled with favoritism of her son Jacob over Esau. You can find that story in Genesis 25, verses 27 to 28. She pushes her favorite son to trick her husband into giving him the blessing he'd reserved for his favorite son and the eldest. She's remarkably committed to fulfilling the words of God even at the cost of her own existence. By the end of that story, her favorite son is sent away, and we don't ever think that they meet up again. Why? Because we never see her death recorded in Scripture. Though God made it clear that the younger would serve the older, he never solicited assistance from Rebecca in the form of deception to bring about his plan. A bruise in her life. What's an example of a child outside of God's will and his plan? Eve, the first mother who lost one child at the hand of another. Genesis 4, the story 1 to 18. This was a jealousy that grew into the first murder in Scripture. Sibling rivalry does exist under our watch moms, and if left unmanaged, can lead to greater issues. Even through that, mother can bounce back after that bruise or that pain. A stellar feature of Eve's life as a mother is how divisively and how decisively she bounces back from the pain of having one of her children taken out by the hand of the other. 
And so further in this story, we learn that Eve and Adam recover from their shock and their grief by coming together and having a third child named Seth. And it's this child that goes on to populate humanity and that allows the first parents to fulfill God's commandment to be fruitful and to multiply. And so God will continue to use us in ministry as we yield our bruises over to him. We can still be used when we yield those things. Acknowledge, recognize, give them over to God. Finally, a biblical example of a society, even outside of God's will and plan, and how we become compelled to yield to political correctness. How can God allow a required wrong to become right? Back to Joshebed. This mom is, 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 is carrying and giving her son Moses up. When Moses was born and Edith, a law, an order if you will, was in place for midwives to kill all of the Hebrew male children on birth, at birth. For the first three months of his life, Joshebed, who delivered without the assistance of a midwife, so technically she's under the radar, managed to save her son from the Pharaoh by hiding him in her donkey stable and sometimes in her storage room. And so as Moses grew in size and became more mobile and vocal, Joshebed knew that she couldn't continue to risk her son's life this way. It was up to her to protect her baby, which any mother would want to do. These three months were incredibly anxious and stressful days for the mother of faith. This mother put the court's instruction into the hands of God. If God wanted her son to be killed, it would not be done by her hand. With God's guidance and her endowed wisdom and ingenuity, Joshebed devised a plan, albeit a dangerous one, to save her son. It was positive faith that gave her the strength and the wisdom and the courage to carry it out. In her heart, she knew that God would protect her child. Joshebed's plan was to place Moses in a basket and to leave it on the bank of a river where the Pharaoh's daughter would regularly come out to bathe. And so upon seeing the beautiful baby, Joshebed was convinced that the young woman would rescue Moses. So Joshebed wove this basket for Moses, taking care to construct it of papyrus so that the carrier would be crocodile proof which was in the water she plastered the inside of the basket with clay to make it smooth and a comfortable bed for her son and she coated the outside with bitumen which is a waterproofing adhesive to ensure that it would be watertight and it wouldn't sink on the chosen day Josephred and her daughter Miriam placed the parcel in a bed of plants alongside the river and hid it in nearby bushes and waited until the Pharaoh's daughter appeared. When the princess heard the baby's whimpering, she sent one of the maidens to find him. Now watch God. When the servant returned with Moses in the basket, Pharaoh's daughter said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Coming out from the brush, Miriam asked, shall I go and call for a nurse for thee? That she might nurse the child? The Pharaoh's daughter agreed and instructed the young girl to go. And in minutes, Miriam comes back with her mom. And so Joshebed returned to the place with the Pharaoh's daughter to nurse Moses and ended up staying to help raise her own child for seven years. 
And so the princess adopted Moses eventually, but never knew that Jochebed was the little boy's biological mother. Jochebed was thrilled to be able to raise her son. Under her influence and teaching, she shaped his belief in God, his belief in the creator of heaven, earth, man, and beast. And so Moses' gentle character is proof of his mother's body's guide, uh, his mother's holy guidance in him. Around that time, when Moses is turning seven, Jochebed disappears from scripture and there's no further record or reference of her. Why is that? Mom had served her purpose. And so moms, we are here for a purpose. We're not here forever. Children embrace that. Moms are not here forever. We're here for a purpose that God's established and then we move on. And what we leave in our children is for them in legacy to carry on. Some of us moms here are like little Moseses. Could have been dead a long time ago. Stared death in the face multiple times, but God had this Nile plan for you. And as such, some of you moms continue to adopt the same faith of Jochebed, that God will protect your children. Countless Nile experiences occur every day. Jochebed placed her faith in God for the child he provided her. We are not owners of our children. We are managers under God supervising our children. Jochebed says to God, I'm going to go as far as I can, God. That whole Nile River experience, that's your territory. I often wonder if Moses was appreciative of the dangerous act and the heroic trust in God that his mom had over him. I often wonder how many times he said, thank you, mom, for praying over me and ensuring my bed of papyrus and silton on my ride down those treacherous banks. I wonder how many times he said, thank you for feeding my hungry belly in lean times as I was growing beyond the weight of my tiny cry. I wonder if he said, thank you, mom, for holding my boisterous sound down when I was hidden in the donkey stall or in your storage room. I wondered if he said, thank you, mom, for allowing my sister Miriam to learn enough about your love and trust in God that she would follow my tiny home down the crocodile-filled waters to, fill my, to, 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 to where my new home would become. She would be the one to quickly suggest that you be hired as my nanny, simply so that you could ensure the tradition of trust in God would be passed on. I wonder, I wonder if Jochebed, as a mom, had an expectation of thank you from Moses, or if Moses somehow thought that he was due a life of luxury because of all that he had endured once it was discovered who he was. I just wonder, mothers, there are not enough cards in Hallmark to reflect the journey that you have gone through with your children or that God has gone through with you. Children, there aren't enough ways in the history of giving to demonstrate the appreciation that you should bear in your hearts and demonstrate for a mom who is still with you or the God that still leads her, whoever she is, wherever she is. And so finally, I 
always have this national anthem to reflect the message that God has given me. And this is one to be enjoyed both by moms and by the children that she's been blessed with. And the lyrics are from an oldie but a goodie. Some of you are gonna get it. It's from a buddy, Shirley Caesar. And the song is called No Charge. Let me just read the words to you. My sister's little boy came in the kitchen one evening and while she was fixing supper and he handed her a piece of paper he had been writing on. And after wiping her hands on an apron, she took it in her hands and read it, and this is what he said. For mowing the yard, mom, $5. And for making up my own bed this week, $1. For going to the store for you, 50 cents. And playing with little brother while you went shopping for us, 25 cents. For taking out the trash, $1. And for getting a good report card, $5. And for raking the yard, $2. Total owed to me, Mom, $14.75. So while she looked at him, standing there and expecting, and a thousand memories flashed through her mind. So she picked up a pen and turned the paper over, and this is what she wrote. For the nine months I carried you, holding you inside of me, no charge. For the nights I set up with you, doctored you and prayed for you, no charge. For the time and the tears and the cost through the years, there's no charge. When you add it all up, the full cost of my love is no charge. For the nights filled with gray and the worries ahead, no charge. For the advice and the knowledge and the cost of your college, no charge. For the toys, school, and clothes for wiping your dirty nose, there's no charge, my son. When you add it all up, the real cost of my love is no charge. And so after that, mom finished talking to her little boy. He looked up at her and with a great big old tear in his eyes. And he said, Mama, I sure do love you. And then reached out, he got the letter and turned it over and he wrote this thing on, in words. Paid in full, when you add it all up, the real cost of my love is no charge. Said God to every mom in the house. Happy Mother's Day, mothers. I feel like we should have prayer for moms. So stay in your place. Let's just have prayer for moms. I want moms to stand up. Moms to stand up. I'm just going to have a word of prayer. Let's touch and agree as moms. And Sister Benson, you can follow with benediction. Father in heaven, you are perfect. There's no secret hidden from you. God, we are grateful for how you created us for the plan you had in mind for us, for the journey, for the bruises, for you always being there, for us never being able to be invisible in your presence. God, we, godly are, we are godly sorry for the things that we have done in this body, in this heart, and in this mind that have grieved you and that have caused you to turn your face or your back away from us. We're so sorry, God. 
We yield these bruises back over to you, God. And we thank you for your ability, your willingness, and your desire to make beauty from ashes. So God, we thank you for these lovely moms who have been tightest to moms all the way. We thank you, God, for blessing them and stilling in them your way. We thank you, moms, for coming back to learn how to be new moms. We thank you, God, for raising up moms. We thank you, God, for your hand in all of our lives. And so, God, we pray for moms that desire to be better moms, moms that desire to teach our children, moms that desire to leave a legacy. God, we thank you for this day that is celebrated in recognition of moms. God, we bless you with everything that we have in our bodies. We thank you, God, for watching over, caring, and protecting us. And God, for the children that you have given us, we are so grateful. There are no accidents in you. God, thank you for each of our children. Thank you for the way that they demonstrate their appreciation for us. Thank you, God, that there's no Hallmark card that could say it all, but we're grateful when they try. Thank you, God, for every child, for every mother, for this house. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. <laughs>